This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome, everybody, back to the Clear Out Podcast with your host, Matt Brooks. We are brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts, and today I've got two special guests, Chris Mahollin, who has obviously been on this show before, and Mike Scotto of Hoops Hype, also been on this show before. It's been a while, though. Uh, gentlemen, how are we doing today? How's our Fridays? Fridays are going great. Elite so far. This is how you begin a Friday afternoon. Yeah elite i like it uh yeah this is uh it's been a good week i think you know we, we we're a little bit we've, we've let the news digest a little bit but uh, we've obviously had this big uh kd to boston rumors i know uh scotto you did a big podcast um you know detailing some of this stuff so i don't want to make you like repeat the podcast but uh i wanted to clear out a little bit if we're gonna play into the title a little bit and, uh, you know, kind of go into a couple of key takeaways from that podcast, and then we can kind of move from there and, and touch on a couple of those things. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a number of them, Matt and, and Chris. I think first off, you know, Brooklyn, you know, maintaining that they still want to get a package that could top the Rudy Gobert trade that uh, Utah got when they sent them to Minnesota. Um, the thing right now is that that market has surprisingly not materialized for Kevin Durant, who you know, as a guy that's somewhere between a top 10 and top 15 player all time, you know, and I, I could picture Sean Marks like going, you know, I might, you, you, you got to give to get if you want a, a member of the call. Um, so <laughs> I, I was a little, you know, surprised that it, this is, you know, a guy that the, again, the market just hasn't materialized what I, what I would have thought and others um, for Brooklyn, you know, I mean, there were some younger guys that they would certainly have been open to getting in, in return for Kevin Durant. You know, two in particular to come to mind are Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors and Brandon Ingram of the New Orleans Pelicans. However, both of those guys have yet to be put on the table in, in trade talks. They have not been put on uh, the table. And, you know, from uh, with regard to the Boston trade talks with Jalen Brown, it seems right now that, in my opinion, uh, Jalen Brown seems to be the best individual player that they can get uh, in a Kevin Durant package as of today. And, you know, you look at some of the reported talks. I mean, Boston, you know, regarding Boston, Derek White is expendable because they just got Malcolm Brogdon. And, um, you know, for Sean Marks, he's always had uh, an affinity for Marcus Smart from afar. And I think comparatively to Derek White, Grant Williams and uh, – Peyton Pridgett would hold more value with the Nets. I think one thing you also got to look at in this scenario is Ime Udoka was a big fan of coaching Kevin Durant with Brooklyn and obviously respects and admires him from afar, even though he drew up a pretty good defensive scheme to kind of slow him down uh, in the uh, in the playoffs against Boston when Brooklyn was the only team to not win a game in the playoffs. Um, I think the biggest issue for Durant, uh, for the Nets, when it comes to trade talks is, 
first of all, you're not going to trade for this guy and give up a ton of assets unless you're a team in finals contention. That's number one. Number two, he's had two major injuries. He's had the Achilles injury. He's had the Jones fracture. And he's going to be 34 this season. Um, Now, the pro and the con of the four years remaining on his contract is it's going to take him into about almost 38 years old at that point. And you wonder what he's going to look like at that point. A lot of executives around the league on the back end of these kind of talks at this point with extensions, you know, like executives have said to me, like they've been questioning the Damian Lillard contract extension. That's an exorbitant amount of money that he's going to get on the back end of his deal. And, and just the sense I'm getting from executives now is they're kind of reprioritizing those max extensions because they're Mm -hmm. getting so big, especially now when the TV deals come and the new CBA goes up, you're looking at guys past their thirties. Like look at the Russell Westbrook deal, like yikes. So, I, I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, from from Brooklyn's perspective, if Marcus Smart, the defensive player of the year, gets put in a package from Boston, you really got something here. Like I said, same thing with Toronto with Scotty Barnes, same thing with the Pelicans with Ingram. But Ingram, I have not heard, is on the table. Durant, I don't get the sense, uh, wants to go to New Orleans. And, and so do rival executives. They, they feel the same way as well. Um, from a Toronto side, you'd have to be looking at Pascal Siakam, you know, switching a four for a four. And then the question becomes, can you pry OG Ananobi from Toronto, who they refused to give up for the seventh pick in the draft with Portland at the time, which tells you how much they value him, even though he's been injury uh, riddled a little bit, or Gary Trent. I don't think Gary Trent is going to move the needle as much for the Nets as OG Ananobi. So you'd have to work through that. And you know, the other thing we talked about with Grant Williams, um, who I touched on, you know, he's eligible for a contract extension. You know, I got the sense from his camp they would like to get one done in Boston. I think there's some mutual interest there, too. But if he's going to be a piece that needs to go in the Kevin Durant trade, then that would be on hold. No, nothing's going to happen until a Durant trade is kind of figured out um, one way or the other there. Lastly, with uh, Kyrie Irving, um, who, you know, almost gets like a little bit viewed in the background here, but, you know, seven and 11 have always been tied together. And, you know, Kyrie said after, uh, you know, the, the season and his end of season media availability that they, they were still attached to the hip. And if Kevin Durant goes, I think the prevailing sense is that Kyrie Irving would be next to go. Um, and what could happen here in doing that, if you trade both of those two stars, Theoretically, the Nets could get under the luxury tax. Now, Joe Sy has shown a willingness to pay that luxury tax for a championship contending team. Would he do it for a team that's more of a lower end playoff contender? Um, that's a question that some wondered out loud around the league. And so more or less, I would say uh, that was the crux of the pod. And, and that's certainly enough to digest. You might need a little Pepto-Bismol, but here we are. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, let's. Uh, there's a lot to digest there. Uh, well, I kind of want to start with the Boston stuff. Like, what what certainty do you have right now? Just talking with Jared and just what you've heard, I guess, over the last couple of weeks. Um, that that like that this deal is going to happen. Oh, there's no yeah. certainty. Let's let's be clear. I, I, there's no certainty because right now, for those talks to get out, it it, it signals to me couple of things number one obviously that the offer needs to be increased 
Uh, I think specifically with the draft pick compensation, um, you know, what, whereas Minnesota didn't give up an all-star caliber guy for Rudy Gobert, the, the four picks, and, and in a way you could say five if you want to count Walker Kessler, who was drafted in the first round. Um, you know, Derek White doesn't move the needle. That, that doesn't. No, all due respect, no offense, as the Italians say. Um, Jalen Brown could be an all-star for the next seven years, but you still need more than that. Like, even in our, our hoops-type trade value rankings, Durant is, like, top ten and Jalen Brown is more in the early 20s. There's a gap to be bridged there. So um, I think you have to do that with pick swaps. Now, Boston owns a lot of their picks, but at the same time, you have to look at the years. that they, they, They're giving up one, I think, to San Antonio later on. I have to double-check on, like, uh, on Real GM for their future draft pick stuff. That's, that's one of the resources I use for that. But certainly pick swaps need to be more involved there and and i don't think Derek white moves the needle does grant williams and peyton pritchard slightly more but even again uh that that's not the be all end all um ultimately this comes down to more picks and you know i think if toronto would put barnes on the table then you might be having a totally different conversation altogether i'm not sure if if you were to poll sean marks and the, and the staff in brooklyn Jalen Brown or Scotty Barnes, two totally different appetites because with Scotty Barnes, you are really extending your window. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Brown, you definitely are too compared to Durant, but you're also more apt to trying to win now. Um, and what you could build around, you know, Ben Simmons potentially, um, who's still like kind of in his mid 20s ish range. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's like an interesting like retooling versus rebuilding um, kind of theory. I, I I'm under the under the mindset that that Scotty Barnes is probably not probably not gonna get moved. I just I don't know if that's I don't know if Durant even as good as he is. I just don't know if that really puts you into that top top tier if you're Toronto. Um, Chris, uh, I what what have been your thoughts? I guess throughout this week, like just with all of this, with the with the Jalen Brown rumors, like what what has been like your dramatic takeaway or anything that you've kind of like, I guess yeah, just uh, drawn from all of this. Yeah, so obviously it was it was pretty surprising when it first came out, especially kind of the detail that Jalen Brown was kind of like that moving piece, kind of like you know the focal point of the whole thing. And then you saw Jalen obviously take exception to it on Twitter when it came out, so obviously you could tell it was a surprise to him. So you got to wonder there, obviously, with the Celtics, obviously they made a lot of offseason moves. Right now, considering their success last year, what they brought in this year, you could probably put them up as the Eastern Conference favorites considering what's going on in Brooklyn, right? So it was surprising. It doesn't surprise me at all that Boston inquired on him because considering, obviously, what Scott said with, obviously, Udoka, then you got, obviously, the Tatum. And like you said, with the windows, with Jalen, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of – you're you're closing your window a little bit, but not closing extremely, you know, if you had Jalen or, or, or obviously Tatum, you pair them two together and make it run at it again. But it was a little bit surprising. Obviously, when you look at it from afar, it was, okay, is this – you could kind of – kind of tell which side it came out from, obviously. And at the second time of things, you got also considering that, was did they put that out, especially with the Jalen Brown one saying, hey, this is the type of player that we are mostly this is where you got to meet to even be in the conversation to get Kevin. So they're not not moving their price. And the second part of it is, okay, considering that training camps in the last week, well, the first of all, in September, give or take, 
you know, how what's going to be the price moving forward? You know, are they going to kind of rush in? And obviously, what Scott said too in the beginning, that, that was kind of a big part for me was um, that obviously if Durant gets moved, Irving's going to get moved. So the Nets going to be very aggressive just getting Irving off the books there. So overall, you know, it wasn't too surprising when I saw it. But at the same time, um, it's not surprising that obviously considering the sides that, you know, obviously the reporting came out of that it did come out. Chris, one thing I would follow up on that, you know, we talk about um, Kyrie Irving getting moved. Obviously, a lot of uh, smoke, you know, for Russell Westbrook and the Lakers and, and, a, and a trade there. I just want to say one thing I did touch on in the podcast as well. For Russell Westbrook to get traded, whether it's to the Nets uh, in, in a three-team trade where they eventually offload him to a team with salary cap space or Russell Westbrook goes to another team altogether. The prevailing thought around the league is from rival executives that it is going to take both first round picks in 2027 and 2029 to get that done because of Westbrook's large salary of like I think it's 47 million or so. Um, so ultimately the Lakers are going to have to decide that. I really think that's going to be what ultimately is the deciding factor, even though Westbrook's in a contract year, whether it's to the Nets or anywhere. And then the Nets flip him to Indiana, San Antonio, whomever, uh, a team that can fit him in and then uh, eventually wave him and, you know, figure out for Russell Westbrook where he would go next. Yeah, I mean, that one's pretty, like, the Westbrook thing is is, is interesting. I Because I, that one is, like, just a measurement of the Lakers being like, all right, like, we have LeBron at this stage of his career. Like, how much do we believe? Like, do we really want to trade away, you know, any remaining draft capital that we have? Um, for a slight chance with you know LeBron in year twenty and Kyrie and it's it's I, to me it's like a reflection that organizationally maybe they don't believe in that potential core as much as you would need to if you're going to make that deal. You know, well, even if you do, it's like all right, you got you got the big three theoretically, LeBron, AD, and Kyrie, and it's like you know you're in the finals, you're kicking it out to. Stanley Johnson and Austin Reeves and guys, you know, they got Lonnie Walker now. They got Troy Brown Jr. It's like, you know, the, the they've tried to fill out that bench more so uh, than what they had. But, uh, you know, questions about the depth there. AD has always been a guy that's injury prone. Uh, we know here in Brooklyn, certainly Kyrie Irving, uh, you're not exactly penciling him in for 82 games, let alone 65 sometimes so uh i think that's something you definitely gotta keep in mind for sure yeah for sure um i know that their their bench is kind of all over the place um i'm i kind of am in the mind right now where i'm I'm gonna circle back to uh to the to the boston thing a little bit um just based on the little bits and pieces that i've heard it's like it's boston or bust right now like that's that's the prevailing narrative right now and it's I think being conveyed from the organization to Durant's camp is like, that's pretty much it. I think that's, I can, I feel pretty confident saying that right now. That's, that's somewhat of a bold statement. I say that because you're going to trade him then to a divisional rival that, you know, I mean, you know, there are still some, some Nets fans, I'm sure wake up in a cold sweat at night thinking about the uh, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce trade. Um, you know, and, and Jason Terry coming over as well and, and how much draft capital they gave up then um, to trade now 
a guy that's arguably the most talented player in the league, you know, somewhere in the top three to five range at the worst, um, you know, to, to Boston, like, <laughs> oh, man, him and Tatum, my goodness, like, it's like big brother. That would be like big brother, little brother there for sure. Um, and, and I think it'd be interesting because they'd certainly be I, like, I, I don't think this gets like noted enough. And this is all, you know, due respect to Jalen Brown, but the Boston Celtics with Kevin Durant on paper would be a better team on paper. Yeah. Is it going to translate though? Like, especially like you can't give up Marcus smart because then I, I, I don't know. Then, then your whole identity changes from a defensive minded team. And like, I will say this Jalen Brown with younger, fresher legs, you know, guarding guys that that's a big part of their identity. So I, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot to weigh in and it's, it's interesting that it's not as simple. And again, I, I, I I'm going to bang this drum. It's cause he's going to be 34 coming up here. Like it's a major thing. You know, you look at Kevin Durant, his body type too. He's, he's a slender guy. You know, guys, like you remember last year, I, let me say one thing about KD. He gave us all last year on a depleted team. This guy was playing 40 minutes a night. I saw, I would see him leaving the arena, just like exhausted. And I, I do give him credit for that because it, just the nights, like I remember one night, he, he had to play like 40 minutes for them to beat the Pistons. Yep. They were so yep. depleted. And, 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 you know, it's not like anybody's fault necessarily, but like, man. And last thing I'll say, like, they should have won when they had the big three. When they had Harden, yeah. it just got once they, once Harden got his hamstring injury and, and Kyrie fell on Giannis's foot, like, that, that was an unfortunate rap for that. But, I know people questioned that thinking at the time, given all these assets they gave up to get Harden and this and that. It was the right move. You always go for it. Like, I, you know, the perpetual, like, like, you remember how many picks Danny Ainge had? And then, like, they would come out with, like, James Young, Kelly Olynyk, and, and they're, like, they're good players, but, like, they couldn't even keep some of them because, like, yeah. luxury tax and things like that. It's like, I'm always the type, you know, push the chips in the center of the table, whether it's Vegas or Atlantic City. Do it at least once. Yeah, throw, especially, a throw a hundred on a color. See what happens. Like I think I tweeted something along the lines of this. Just like believing that windows are going to last five to seven years is just like bold at this point and at this stage in the NBA. Anything can happen. Um, anything can happen. Like people thought the Nets were going to dominate the next four years. It made what like one calendar year. Like it. It. You. You had a good tweet the other day about. I think this is paraphrasing it, but essentially it was Kevin Durant is underrated. Yeah. And it's like with these trade packages, yeah, it sure looks that way, given the fact that, like, I don't know. I, you know what's interesting? So when you, when I talk to people in Vegas, like, the prevailing thought was Minnesota overpaid for Gobert. And then that shot the market up so high. Um, it, it It's, like, incredible. Um, by the way, we, we have a, a breaking tweet from Ian Begley. Uh, who replied to all of us in a photo. Good to see Scotto in front of the fine China. (laughs) You love to see these things. But, um, oh, man, I know. But the fans want to (laughs) know more about, like, Jalen and and Durant, I'm sure, and and, and what else. People want to know about the fine China. I don't know about that. Yeah, I think they want to know about what kind of plates are back there. (laughs) I've been curious. (laughs) I mean, you know, I – 
you know, sources say it originated uh, as, as like, you know, from my mom and dad's probably like wedding. And like, <laughs> here we are, like, just keep it out. I'll tell you this about the fine China. I think we've like, it had to be either a family member that came from like, either Italy or somebody that, like we hadn't seen in like 20 years. It's like, all right, break out the Zambuca, break out the like fine China. We've been saving this for like 15, 20 years. The time has come. Pull the plug out of the home phone, which we still have. I don't no disturbances, you know, get out, get out like all the, uh, the entomans. That's not for any, that's like, that's never been for us. It's like, that's for the guests. That's- <laughs> That's how they would like do it back in the day. So, uh, yeah. Um, Love it. This is the Fine China podcast. This is the most fine important China. thing I think going on this week. <laughs> Jalen Brown, whatever. Uh, yeah, I, so I, I had to say on the KD thing, I, I'm also going to push back a little bit on the injury thing. Not because I, I, like, obviously he tore his Achilles. He's had, you know, a Jones fracture in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, the last two years to me, and I did this with... Bobby Manning, who covers the Celtics. Uh, so look, we go to the first year, uh, the last two years, and it's the COVID year, right? He gets COVID, misses time because that. Because the people are throwing out that he's played 90, 90 games in the last three years. The first year we can throw out. We know he wasn't playing. The Nets signed him with an Achilles injury. We knew he wasn't going to play that year. Uh, next year, we have COVID. Uh, and then he, I think he tested positive. Well, he, he had the, 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 where he was pulled out of the game against Toronto. Yeah, yes, did health and safety, and then he comes back. But it, I, I, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there was a ton of ramp up going on because he had the hamstring strain like right after. So yeah, the hamstring strain right after, and at that point they were so depleted that there was no ramp up. Yeah. Right, like they basically just played him 40 minutes after not playing him for a full week. Mm-hmm. So like, sure, could it that be him getting older? Maybe, but I also just felt like it was like you're just throwing this guy in there. This last year, the big injury is the MCL. That's a freak injury to me. Like yeah. that was, that yeah, was truly just, he, what Bruce Brown fell on his knee. So like, yeah. even that to me, like I get it. And I understand from a, like, if you're, if you're the Celtics and you're trying to like leverage, you're going to say, well, this guy's barely played at all. But I think from Brooklyn, you can say like, look, man, like this was the guy, the only guy standing period against the bucks, this guy coming off an Achilles tear. He was the only guy that we were able to, you know, even have out there at that point uh, because he was the only player healthy. Um, and, and, you know, even this year he, comes into the playoffs he's healthy he doesn't play well for sure uh that i think is the bigger argument is like has he lost certain things not in terms of like is he still good but like you know because I, I don't know like I, we're not we don't need to get into like that obviously but more of like is there a slight loss in first step is getting to the rim like a little bit harder so i think that stuff for me is probably the more pressing issue which i guess is age related in a way mm-hmm no, I agree with that. I agree with that. And like, it's it's one of those things you just got to wait and see. You know what I mean? And obviously with Kevin, those two injuries are obviously highlight everything. And obviously the MCL sprain, that's a freak injury. But, you know, overall, it could go that and like what you said with the, le- the negotiation leveraging right there. It could go either way at that point. But, you know, I do think that considering the age, I think that maybe the Celtics do have the upper hand in that aspect just because of the years on the contract left. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Scott, this is a question for you. Do you think this? And this is weird to say because they'd be they'd be the the team getting the best player. And t- typically, you're not really in the driver's seat in the situation. Do you think that Boston is at all? I don't want to say driver's seat. That's a really strong term, but like they're creeping over from the passenger seat. They're like in the little middle area. They're they're you know the the little divider. They're sitting on that. Um, do you think they're sitting in that situation just because teams like Toronto or New Orleans aren't willing to like put somebody like a Scotty Barnes or Brandon Ingram on the table? I think. As of now, you have to look at – so you look at Boston certainly because Jalen Brown's been reportedly offered. And they're – I don't know if I would say in the driver's seat because here's why. Again, Toronto could flip the switch and put Barnes. Now, they haven't yet. But if – what if Toronto – like my biggest question to Brooklyn is if you can get Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi – then maybe. But, again, Toronto, I don't know if they're willing to do that either. So right now – you can make the argument that they are um, as far as what's on the table, you can make the argument that Boston has the best offer until proven otherwise by Toronto Um, for new Orleans. I think the biggest thing, first of all, Zion signs the extension. So he's out of the equation. Then you've got Brandon Ingram who they have signs, you know, for the foreseeable future part of the core, really young guy. Would Durant make them better, even for a hired gun for a year? Yes. Are they a title contender? Eh, don't see that. So they're of more the mindset of they've never gotten to see what that group looks like with Zion, Ingram, and CJ. Um, and, and so I think that that's an interesting factor that they're going to have to look at. Um, and given that they're a small market team, those young guys sign, give them time to contend for the next few years. Um, so I, I, I think when you look at the rest of the league, you know, Miami, I, I'll say this, Kevin Durant, you know, Miami and Phoenix. Oh, those are two teams he'd like to go to. Well, you know, that's great. I would like to slide into like Adriana Lima's Instagram, you know, DMs and Alessandra Ambrosio and be like, yeah, like I'm here. What's up? But that doesn't mean that it's going to happen. The so, fine china might help, though. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know well, if they see them. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying well, it's a zero percent chance. You know, I put my odds. I, I put my odds a little higher than the, you know the average Joe. No, you know, shout out to Joe Harris. Just kidding, um, my guy. <laughs> love Joe. Um, but yeah, I mean, by the way, so that uh, on a separate tangent, Joe Harris is coming back. You're getting a full year of Seth Curry. You bring in TJ Warren, who's a wild card, by the way. I don't care what anybody says. Um, you, you re-sign Nick Claxton. You've got Ben Simmons looking healthier than he's ever had uh, within the past, I don't know, year and a half. Kyrie and KD on paper. And I'm looking at this team and I'm going, huh, could they do something, you know? And leave it to the Nets, like, when it comes to a true, like, five, that's like the buyout market. That that, that always seems to be with that's them. That's the February, or, yeah. Or later on. I don't, You know, I don't know if they're going to get, like, a true five before camp starts, maybe a veteran on a minimum or something. Time will tell. But I think, like, when, when you look at that team and privately within the organization, they're kind of like, 
I mean, if if they don't trade Durant and Kyrie, they think they got a shot to contend. And I, I believe they have the right to feel that way, given the roster they have. So, um, you know, if they brought them back, would it give me a little bit of last dance vibes? You know, I, my, my, our guy, Reed Wallach, always would like tweet that with the music and I laugh. Um, what was what was the first dance? That's my one. We didn't have a first dance. <laughs> well, I mean, we it's like, that, well, hear me out. Like when I say the last dance, like they had the shot because like they had this this dynamic duo with, when Durant came and Kyrie. Now, the first year Durant's out, then they come in and it's like, all right, Kyrie has his uh, personal leave. And then after that, it's the vaccine thing. But. No, I'm sorry. Then they had Harden for a little bit. Then then the vaccine uh, rejection from Kyrie, I'll call it. And so then it's the big two and a half. It's like, to me, it's like in the Durant-Kyrie era. That's what I mean by the last dance. And I'll say this. Overall, the expectations relative to the results have underwhelmed. Scratch that. The results relative to the expectations have underwhelmed. And this is like, to me, like... Kyrie, you're going to get, if Kyrie and Durant are here, you're going to get the best year out of Kyrie. He's got to be on best behavior. The guy opted in for a reason. The market was not bearing the fruit uh, that he thought, you know, uh, given this time of the season. And then you've got Durant, who, coming off that playoff series, you don't think he's got a chip on his shoulder? That he got kind of, I don't know who that guy was the first two playoff games against Boston. Neither did he. He even said he was overthinking whether yeah. to pass too much or not. That wasn't the guy who was dropping 30 a game during the regular season. So they've got enough to contend if they keep them together. Would it be a little drama-filled? Yeah. But when have the past few seasons not been for the Nets one way or the other? I really don't think – they've got to, the Nets have to decide, ultimately, is Jalen Brown worth the squeeze? Or can you somehow convince Durant to come back and, you know – Men defenses. Kobe Bryant wanted to trade from the Los Angeles Lakers many years ago. People forget that because he ended up staying with the Lakers. But you never know. That could be the same. If you know, that could be the same scenario ultimately with Durant. You cannot, under any circumstances, sell perceivably low on Kevin Durant at all, especially given the Rudy Gobert trade. That would be a major PR hit and a perceived L to the Brooklyn Nets, to Sean Marks, to Joe Sy, to, you know, anybody and their mother in that organization. Yeah. Now, Scott, one thing for you. How much does Jalen Brown's current deal really weigh on the whole thing here? So This is another thing I want to touch on because obviously – Excellent you know question, Chris. Yeah. Excellent question. My stance on that is it should have no bearing, and here's why. Because, you know, first of all, from a CBA cap perspective, and 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 my our, our hoop type salary cap expert Yozi Goslin um, can touch on this a little better. But ultimately, um, there is some incentive for Jalen Brown to wait as opposed to doing an extension now because he can get more money down the line. Mm-hmm. Now, with that said, Jalen Brown is a guy that could be a max player. I think anybody in the league knows that. I don't think the value of what he would get would be in question. It's whether he would want to stay in Brooklyn or not if he is acquired by the team. With that said, um, at the end of the day, he's still a guy in his mid-20s in the prime of his career. He's still an attractive asset. Whether you eventually have to flip him 
or you keep him. So to me, the contract situation has no bearing. I still believe he is the best individual player that's on the table right now that they can get. That doesn't mean that they have to pull the trigger now, but we're talking about in the present moment. So at, at that point, you're not worrying about the contract stuff because you internally have him. You can offer him the most anyway once you acquire him. So to me, that's your leverage there as well. And him being, in a way, you can make the argument that this would be Jalen Brown's team with Ben Simmons. And I think it would be more towards Jalen Brown because he would be the primary scorer as opposed to Ben, who's more of a playmaker and an all-around player. So that is something that Jalen Brown has not had the ability to have in his career. Tatum is the clear number one in Boston. Where does Jalen, where is Jalen Brown's mindset on that is a question that would also have to be asked. But again, to your, to your question, Chris, I don't think it moves the needle at all. I, I, I just, I don't. Um, I understand some may have some concern over it. I don't have that concern at all. I, I'm curious about what lead option Jalen Brown looks like. Cause it's like one thing if you're, yeah, you know, like it's one thing he looked great in the playoffs, but a lot of that is because, you know, let's say Tatum has got Gary Payton, the second on him or, or somebody like that or Wiggins on him. And it's like, that's just a different, that's a different ball game. And I think for me, like I look at this whole situation and I'm like, if the Nets truly, truly want to, con- like if they just want to win, if they truly want to win, the best thing you can do is bring back Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Um, if if this has reached a point where you just want to move on, then I do think that a trade like this is made. Like there's just no way you can logically get around those two things. Um, or if you just feel like, you know, we're going to get these guys to camp and the buy-in is just going to be so far from it. Because I worry about that too. Like you can look at this team on paper and you can say, okay, great. But like, let's say Kevin Durant. I mean, we saw what KD looked like in the last year in Golden State where it's like he's clearly just removed from the situation. Like it, and they, they were great. And that team was historically great. So they could coast on that. I don't know if this Nets team, I mean, I, I actually, I know for a fact this Nets team doesn't enjoy that same luxury where they can just sort of coast their way into things. So that... That stuff, I think, does matter in a way. That said, though, I mean, I, I get it. Like, going on a win streak, like, things can turn around pretty quick. We, we saw they couldn't coast on it last year. The regular season was treated as like, we're just going to get to the playoffs and we'll be fine and figure it out. And they fell on their faces. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And they've approached, I mean, they've approached the regular season like that the last two seasons, I even say. Like, even the year when they, the COVID year, um, there yeah. just wasn't, like, a ton of urgency at all, um, you know, whether it was ramping guys up or anything, which I, which I get it. It was a hard season. Um, guys are missing time all the time with COVID and injuries. But, um, yeah, I, I, I've never felt like they've prioritized the regular season. And I, I would expect that to change no matter who they have out there this year. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, what's going to be interesting is if they come back, you know, what can Steve Nash pull out of these guys? You know, this was partly like, you know, Durant was was part of the reason Steve Nash was brought here. And if both of those guys are gone, what does Nash's future look like long term? I think then would have to be a question for down the line to look at as well, whether he would want to continue coaching. You know, like they had a they had a kind of pride Nash had a, you know, living the life in in Golden State and to, to, to be a coach. I, I don't think people necessarily understand that. So 
lot of lot of balls in the air um ironically for for the nets when you come into this year but and I, and i'll say this there were always some um so i you know i have my friends um that that are like uh knicks fans and whatnot you know and, and they'll joke like ah you know they the knicks didn't get uh duran and Kyrie, and like wh- what was the difference it's like well fine if you want to look at the results on paper, but at the same time, the interest level that Durant and Kyrie brought have brought to the Nets and to uh, their chance to compete um, it, it has been second to none. I'm always, like I mentioned earlier, always a proponent of pushing the chips in the table. Mm-hmm. And anybody who I, I remember when Durant was first coming off the injury, oh, did you want to give him a max? Ba, 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 ba. Yep. All right, man, take a seat. All right, have a seat on the bench next to like. Nash and like, I don't know, pick anybody, Adam corporate, <laughs> you know, I didn't pick anybody. You know what I mean? Like get, yeah. get out of here. Pure comedy. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it was stupid. When you got to give him a max at that point. I got it though. Yeah. All right. Let's say this bot look for a second. Let's, let's go through. Cause I, I did a little bit of radio last week. and got to ask this. I think it's a good question. Um, Chris, I'll start with you. Say this Boston trade happens. What does uh-huh. it look like? What's the trade package right now? Now, is, is this like just what they would like? What would get the deal done right what now? Would what would get the deal think? done? Well, not, you know what? I think we know what would get the deal done. I think We know what would get the deal done. Durant, Jaylen, Smart. Marcus, draft capital, or you throw in, you know, another Where guy. do you think we end up, let's say, if, you're, if, you're, if we're thinking like, you know, galaxy brain here? To be honest, I think this strikes into training camp. To be honest with you, yep. I think it does. I, I think at that point, obviously, when if he doesn't report to training camp, then you know, and like Scotto said earlier, obviously, if, if the Raptors throw in Scotty Barnes, that automatically puts everything on a one eighty right there. I do think it goes in the training camp. Um, do you think I he'd do, report? The what's up? First, do you think he'd report? I think he would report. I honestly do think okay. he would. I, I don't know. I think I would because I just don't think, and I, I think I, I, I want to get Scotto's opinion and your opinion as well on this. I just don't feel like Kevin would be the guy that would hold out. I just don't think he would be that one person. And especially at the same time, obviously the Kyrie thing, obviously you don't know what they're – I can imagine, I think you're all on the same page, that they would obviously ship Kevin off before they do with Kyrie. I don't think that you can flip-flop the, both of those. But I just don't think Kevin would be that guy that does hold out. Mm-hmm. But like I said before, I do think it goes into training camp. And I think, obviously, in the weeks leading up to that, obviously, closing weeks of August, obviously, first week of September, that'll be very telling to see where the Nets stand on their asking price and see if they are willing to obviously lower it. But obviously, as we all know, it's Kevin Durant. You can't mess this up at all. And, yeah, to kind of just put a bow on I just don't I, – I do think this strikes in the training camp. So, to, to Chris's point, you know, I, I'll say this. Most rival executives around the league think that Kevin Durant loves the game too much, um, that he would just not go to camp. And uh, honestly, he'd be lost without basketball. The guy loves basketball yep. and, um, you know, other things, but uh, definitely basketball. So at that, I kind of I, I don't I don't think he would. I'll say this if he did hold out and not come to camp, man, that would really be yeah. like, all right, this guy is 
not kidding around. And I, I think that would be a bit of a surprise to, to most. Um, I wonder at that point, you know, what's interesting. It's like from a competitive standpoint, you know, unless he's going to Boston, um, the Nets have a shot to compete. You, you know, you came here with Kyrie. You want Kyrie to get his max extension? Well, go do what you came here to do. Go win together, okay? Like, at a certain point, like, that's got to happen. You got Ben Simmons there, too. I know he's a little bit of a wild card because he hasn't played in a while, but you've got talent, and you're Kevin Durant. You know, you're, the whole thing is, I'm Kevin Durant. You know who I am. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I know who you are. You know who you are. Do you know who you are? You, you, you know what I mean? Let's go. Like, they, I, I would love to see them, in a way, run it back and finally fulfill the, the expectations. Like, at a certain point, I know it hadn't worked out yet, but, man, like, I don't know. Unless he goes to Boston, like, how many other – and, by the way, if he goes to Toronto, depending on who they're giving up, they a championship contender? Eh, I don't know about that. You're not a championship contender with the Pelicans. So, uh, you know, like, I mean – yeah, I don't know. No. What am I saying? I had to think about that for like if I if there was like an 82 game Zion season, but come on. So um, I just think unless he's going to Boston, I mean, they certainly have they're coming in as the, the favorites, given what they did, you know, in terms of the East, I'm referring to, you know, Philadelphia got better, but PJ Tucker's not getting any younger. Harden's not getting any younger. And Bede's always an injury risk. You know, I think people kind of forget that. So um overall i think i would most people think like he would and i'm talking about executives around the league i haven't broached this with anybody in his camp yet because we're, we're a little far away but um just given everything we know about durant it would be a little bit of a, a surprise if he didn't report to camp i mean the guy was a professional last year like with the nets given the depleted roster they had him you know complain about it so it if he did not it would show how much he wants out of brooklyn and then i think you got to look in the mirror at a lot of things personally but that's my stance on that where are you at matt uh i'm i mean i'm in agreement for sure i mean i think the thing that comes down to it is really just the injury like the fact that he missed a year and a half of basketball he's talked about it a lot like how hard that was and how much, I mean, he, he knew he loved basketball, but like he didn't realize, you don't realize how much you love something until you don't have it in your life. So I think in a way, isn't especially with all the preparation that he had to do in terms of his recovery from the Achilles to get out there and, and just be Kevin Durant from basically the first preseason game, which I think was against Boston, uh, what, two years ago, he just looked like KD right away. That all comes down to preparation, and preparation is coming into training camp and making sure your body's right, making sure you can play at game speed. So even from that perspective, whether whether or not he's fully out, you know, on the nets as a franchise, um, I just think like avoiding that, avoiding that preparation is just it wouldn't be conducive to like what the ethos of Kevin Durant has been the last two years, personally. Um yeah, I don't know. I, I, so it seems like we all think this is going to go. Scott, it seems like you think it's going to probably go in a training camp also. Hmm. Well, uh, I, th- I think if the, if the offers don't improve, yeah. 
I, I don't I don't see the Nets caving yet. I don't. They have time. Um, you know, I, I think back even to the year like Carmelo Anthony got traded and that thing went up to the deadline. Um, I don't know if that would be the case here, because at that point, if you're bringing them into the season, you know, you still got them under control. Um, you know, I know some look, I, I've been in plenty of net spaces and I, and I appreciate the fans there, but they'll say like, you know, well, if you are going to move Durant, this is the time to do it. You're, you're never going to get more value, but it's like it's all can pins and needles. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think there's like for the nets, there should be no urgency to, to sell him for anything less than like what you want because he's got too many years on his contract he does not have a player option and he signed it he was the first of the big three to sign it at the time respectfully thinking that the other two were coming in on the back end and then that did not happen now that's going to be a fun like espn 30 for 31 day or why or how much kyrie irving's vaccination status upset James Harden that the big three went from the big three to the big two and a half. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I mean, and I also think like if you're Brooklyn, like I, I, I feel like Jalen, the offer that's been made of Jalen Brown and Derek white, that's probably going to be there by February. And at that point you're playing the game of, yeah. Hey, who starts off hot? Let's say Memphis starts off really well. I don't know. I'll throw a team out there. They they and they're they're feeling like well, we could win it this year. Like let's see if there's a way for us to, you know. And I don't I don't know if they really have. The, I don't think a Jaron Jackson package is going to move the needle over a Jalen Brown package. But let's say they did something like that or or whatever. Like there's just throw any team out that goes off, you know, has a better start than normal. At least then you have a bidding war. So right now you don't have it. You just have Boston. And that's why I kind of asked the driver's seat question because it's like, why are we going to bid against ourselves if we're Boston? Even if that deal isn't enough to get you know, I get it over the finish line. Why are we going to up the ante in a way if we, if we know nobody else is putting out, you know, I guess better offers. You know, it's interesting, Matt, like if, if Boston, and I have to look again at their pick situation, but if Boston did Jalen Brown and like, I don't know, let's just say two, three pick swaps, right? Then I, I believe they can do that. I'd have to hang on one sec. Let me just look just to, to double check that. But, uh, and I do that by the way if I'm, I'm if I'm Boston by the, like I I just would because I oh, yeah, yeah so like you want to increase your odds in two years versus be like oh we could be like right there for four years I don't know I just so don't agree with that Boston's 2023 first round pick is protected top twelve if not it goes to Indiana and in 2028 um there eh, yeah I don't even know if that would convey at that point so you're looking at They've got plenty of they've got enough draft capital, even if it's with swaps to at minimum up the offer. I just it's a starting offer. You know, you never put your best offer out there. You always kind of like you don't think Sean Marks called the Celtics and was like, give me Tatum, Brown and smart. Like, you know what I mean? Being like cheeky, like it, it, you always got to bridge it to the middle at some point. The, the biggest question, guys, that I think Brooklyn and Boston need to figure out is what parallels the Rudy Gobert trade if you're getting Jalen Brown? Like, so how many first round picks is Jalen Brown worth? Okay, that would then mm. 
equal the four to five if you count Walker Kessler five that Rudy Gobert um, demanded. If Jalen Brown is worth two first round picks, then you need three, either in a pick swap or whatever. If he's worth three, then you need two. It, it, that's I think how they got to look at it. Um, and then yeah, I mean if they can get like I said, Grant Williams and, and Peyton Pritchard for the money instead of Derek White, I think they would do that too. You're trying to squeeze the orange as much as possible there. And uh, you don't want any pulp. <laughs> well, it is kind of the law of diminishing returns at a certain point. Like the Gobert trade is like about, like there's a, a threshold of how much you can give up for a player. Like Durant's probably worth half a roster, but you just can't do that in a bunch of picks. Like it's just, mm-hmm. you're there's only so high we can go. And I, I it's interesting just watching how these trades have been made over the last couple of years. Um, and how many picks teams are willing to give up. And, you know, Paul George is worth four or five picks. Like, at a certain point, we're going to reach a, a just a, an area where, like, a, somebody of Durant's caliber, who's maybe one of the best. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's, he's in the – he could be one of the, if not the best player to get traded, mm-hmm. uh, depending upon how he looks in his next destination. You know, uh, yeah, just, like, period. And that's, that's going to be hard to make a – essentially match a package for well, do we also think that obviously a lot various factors go into it, but do we really think that a trade for Kevin Durant would only involve two teams here? That's the other thing. Scott, well, would you think that another team would obviously trades are trades, obviously everyone needs to get what they want. But do you think that an I I could easily see if there was obviously a lot of trashing going involved, well, a number of teams would want at least to stick a couple of fingers in and say, Hey, okay, let's see what's going on here. Well, you know? when you look at teams that can get it done outright Boston, Toronto, you know, are teams that could do that. New Orleans could have as well. Um, but as we've touched on, they're not a realistic yeah. trade partner. So, there, you know, look, obviously when the eight and stuff was, was being kind of kicked around and his restricted free agency, you know, you could have been talking about a four-team kind of blockbuster with him going to Utah, you know? Yeah. in that scenario maybe, but now all the dominoes have fallen. Like, you know, I think Indiana in a way kind of moved. I don't think people necessarily realize this, but like Indiana in a way kind of moved the Durant trade market and, and took out some teams. One, they took out Phoenix who I, I never thought Phoenix was a real contender because the nets weren't into Deandre and like that, especially at that salary. Um, but they took that out in terms of and being flipped in a multi-team deal, as you touched on. So that took Phoenix out. Miami, I thought, I never could have seen how they were going to get the picks, mm-hmm. to be honest, to get it done. And you couldn't move Bam out of bio uh, because they got Ben Simmons on the roster and the rookie extensions rule. And, you know, you're not giving up Jimmy Butler. Um, so, you know, they would want to pair him with him. Tyler Hero doesn't move the needle enough for the Nets. So... Then, um, like I said, Indiana, once they made that offer sheet, they kind of killed a couple of birds with one stone there. And I think now at that point, you know, I I had written this prior to that, but, you know, teams were looking at Indiana, San Antonio. I was like, all right, they're the salary dump team in a Westbrook trade or something like that and and a gargantuan three or four team trade. So that option is still there, but you've got to incentivize those teams with picks too to be, to get it done. Yeah. It's like the Pepe Siva 
you know, when he's like got the cigarette, he's looking at the board and he's like the, that, that gif, that gif it's, that's to me exactly what it is right now. Picture that with like, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the photos online, I, you know, of, of Joe Dumars with the two flip phones, yeah. one on the left ear, one in the right ear, working a three-team trade. Um, Google it if you haven't seen it. It's hilarious. Brian Colangelo also has one as well. That's the vibe. It's such a, it's such a complicated thing. But if, if anybody could and would try to do it, you know, Sean Marks certainly would. But again, and I mentioned this on the podcast, deep down in the hearts – of the Brooklyn Nets organization, I think if you gave them a little truth serum, they would say they don't really want to move Kevin Durant. That's why the asking price is so exorbitant. Yeah, and I think I think yeah. they'd like to keep him. If there was a world where they wouldn't have to be tied to Kyrie, I think that's also – you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I, it's also the sense I get. Yeah, fair, but they also knew what they were getting into with the two of them. They knew they came as a package deal, and I mentioned yeah. this about Kyrie like – Kyrie, uh, the, the, the most leverage that Kyrie has had here is that Kevin Durant has wanted to play with him. Yeah. That was Kevin Durant's decision. That's why Kevin Durant came to Brooklyn. Kevin Durant, for the year that he was going, a year, one full year leading up to his free agency, all the talk was that he was going to the Knicks. All the talk. And I know, I know where that talk was coming from. And it was believed by a lot of people. There were players in that locker room for crying out loud. I remember joking about it with Ed Davis. And he's like, I heard he was going to Brooklyn. Everybody, you know, this, this was out there. And then Kyrie was the one who wanted to go to Brooklyn more in terms of being his hometown team, looking at the roster. And, and, and maybe Durant eventually looked at this too. But the notion – out of the two of them who had more of a desire to go to Brooklyn, given his fandom as a kid and his family ties, Kyrie was the larger of the two. And that's not to say that Durant didn't want to go to Brooklyn like at all, but Kyrie had more incentive. Let's put it that way. So at that point, the two of them were a package deal and they, they still are now. The Nets knew the baggage he came with from Boston. They knew the baggage he came with from Cleveland. It's out there. Heck, the whole league knows the baggage he's got now from the Nets. And the team that wants him is the Los Angeles Lakers because given their situation, LeBron is looking at that team like, Kyrie, I got a better chance to win with Kyrie than I do with Russell Westbrook. We saw how that square peg didn't fit in a round hole last year for the Los Angeles Lakers. It's Frank Vogel. He looked like Joe Gatto on Impractical Jokers by the end of the season. Okay, <laughs> That was the end of that. Darvin Ham, I love Darvin Ham as a person, and I think he's got a chance to be a good coach. He's got some schemes to try to make Russell Westbrook fit better with these guys. Okay, you can give that 20 games, but ultimately, Russell Westbrook has a little bit of the like potential here to be a Stephon Marbury kind of flame out in his early 30s. Like at a certain point, and what I mean by that is. Both Hall, you know, Hall of Fame kind of caliber, high-level all-star careers, but in their early 30s, they hit a wall. And it seems with Westbrook, you know, a guy who's always built his game on athleticism, how much longer is that going to be there? So to me, 
with, with, with Kyrie and KD again, like they came in together. That's why the Nets were like, all right, you know, Kyrie, you look at, you know, for years, Sean Marks, Kenny Atkinson, that whole regime, the Joe Harris's, the Spencer Dinwiddie's, the Karis Leverts, the Jared Allen's, it was the culture, mate, the culture, we're cultivating the culture. And then forget the culture, Kyrie and Durant are the culture. They come in, the stars are your culture. They had say in the decisions of the player personnel, okay? The guys that they brought in, the James, I'm just rattling off some names, but the James Johnsons of the world, the LaMarcus Aldridge's, the Blake Griffins, um, you know, et cetera. There's plenty more. But my point being, it's a collaborative effort when you have those type of elite stars. That becomes the culture. And so it's a different culture than the sixth seed when D'Angelo Russell was in a contract year and you've got veteran presences like Damari Carroll, Ed Davis, Jared Dudley, guys that, you know, we're all trying to, um, you know, they were kind of in like contract years, if not a year or two away. Um, and Lavert and Allen were developing. It was the right mix. This is a different mix. Some of these guys that they've brought in on one-year deals are hired guns to try to win a title, and that's it. You know, look how many, look how stacked they were the year that they had hard, and everybody was flocking to the Nets at that point, trying to get there in the buyout market and free agency and stuff. So Paul Millsap went there, you know, thinking like that was his shot at a ring. And then he ended up having a reduced role. So again, that's a, that's a hearty breakfast to, to munch on, but this, this being around this team from day one in Brooklyn and like talking with you guys about it always gets me more amped up and really, expansive on these these type of answers and thoughts the same thing the way it was with with jared weiss um this is a pivotal moment in my opinion in the legacy of kevin durant in the legacy of kyrie irving and the reputation of sean marks joe Sy, and the brooklyn nets organization this is a team that has not traditionally had superstar players other than you know, Jason Kidd, Julius Irving, um, you know, they don't, they don't come around with the cachet of like, let's say the Los Angeles Lakers over decades, the Boston Celtics over decades. And to get to this point with Durant is a little disheartening that he, he requested the trade request, I think, in a lot of ways. And to, to see if there's a way to salvage it right now, I think, would still be interesting to see. But again, for all four of them, Durant, Irving, Mark, Cy, a lot of legacy ties on the line here with a potential trade. Or if they remain and they try to go and, and compete one more year together, um, at, at the minimum, just because I say that because Kyrie's under contract for the next year and you don't know what his future would be. You know Durant theoretically is under contract going forward. Yeah, I agree. Yes, yeah, exactly. This is a big moment. Um, gentlemen, I want to let you guys plug away, plug away your Twitters, anything you've got coming out, um, and, and we'll sign off here if that sounds good. Any last thoughts, though, before we before we do so? It's going to be a fun ride till training camp. Around the camp. horn? That's, that's, it'll be a fun ride till training camp. I'm looking, forward, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys at, at Barclays Center. Um, yeah, I can't wait. 
And Dude, I'm dying, man. I miss it. I miss the hell out of it right now. This it, week has been just been brutal. I'm just, I, I miss basketball, man. I miss it. <laughs> man, I, I know we all we all got to get together in the city first for uh, a celebratory event. But I, I would oh, yeah. say, <laughs> as far as like plugging stuff, Twitter at Mike A Scotto, uh, Mike A for Anthony Scotto S C O T T O. Check out the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from players, coaches, executives, and media members, uh, such as you find gentlemen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anywhere else you listen to podcasts. And, uh, you know, you can obviously keep up with all my work on, on hoopshype.com. Uh, right now we've got our, and I, and I know that this will be a hot topic as always, we've got our trade value ranking so you can see where we think Mm -hmm. jalen brown and kevin durant rank in terms of trade talks and you can check out the latest podcast i have with jared weiss of the athletic on the nets and the celtics rumors we talked about kevin durant kyrie irving jalen brown marcus smart grant williams um you know uh and a whole lot more russell westbrook as well so definitely tune into that episode and check out that link we have a transcript version of the the key points not all 30-something minutes. Lord knows what this transcription would look like. But uh, absolutely. It's uh, always a pleasure. Indeed, Chris. Yeah, you can find me at C-M-I-L-H-O-L-E-N-S-B on Twitter. And you can find my work at NetsDaily.com. And for now. For now. For now. Oh, you well, got big moves? Well, no. And then, you know, and then obviously social <laughs> You got an announcement? Stuff like that. Not going to jinx anything. <laughs> Not jinxing you got, anything. You got a big announcement coming out here on this, uh, mm. on this here podcast. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. Um, yeah, you can find me at Matt Brooks MBA on Twitter. Uh, gonna start doing some scouting videos. I think, uh, I don't know if I've, I don't think I've talked about this yet. Yeah. I want to start doing some scouting on uh TJ Warren, okay. pre bubble TJ Warren. Um, might even do one on Royce O'Neal if things get really desolate. Cause I just miss, I miss the film. I miss the video stuff. Um, so that's going to start happening for me pretty soon. Next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Um, And yeah, thank you all for listening. Of course, if you enjoyed, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. And I will talk to you guys next time. Peace. Peace.